Hey, sexy. Oh, I was feeling a lot of things over an incident that happened uh, just the other day. And I thought it was worthy of recording an episode over. Uh, I wrote a poem. Uh, in case you didn't know this about me, I'm a super expressive person, always have been always felt a deep need to express in a lot of ways through art, through poetry, writing, dance, movement, even working out is a form of expression. Um, even being silly and goofy, a uh, little theatrical at times. Um, that is a quality that has really saved my life. Anyway, um, so I wrote something to help me work through and get to the other side of some anger and rage that I was feeling because the last few weeks have really been fucking with me. And maybe some of you all are feeling this too in the energy out there. Uh, I was really seeing uh, how life was pushing me to acknowledge some ways that I hadn't been showing up for myself and not being my best advocate. And it pushed me through the emotion of anger and rage and forcing me to look at what I had been tolerating that I really was not willing to tolerate anymore. Uh, so I wrote a poem and I had some people respond sort of surprised because I'm a very kind and thoughtful spiritual person. And they expected, they were surprised saying that's not like you, like they were expecting more of me. And I had to stop and say, actually, it is like me, because guess what? I'm a human being. It's one of the reasons I call myself a professional human. And so I want to get on here and discuss that a little deeper of how we get into the weeds with ourselves and we water down our experiences in life when we repress those things. What does this have to do with sex and sexuality, you might be asking? I would just advise you to fuck around and find out. Hello and welcome to Sex on the Table where we're taking the topic of sex off the shame shelf and putting it on the table for conversation with a sense of purpose and a sense of humor. Sex on the Table is the place for open, honest conversations that many of us have felt too embarrassed or ashamed to have around sex and relationships. What it all comes down to really is taking radical responsibility for our own traumas, our own wounding, and whatever other baggage we're carrying into this life, and growing our awareness so that we can become the most ecstatic, authentic versions of ourselves. So come sit your sexy ass down at the table, and let me tell you, it's going to be a banger of a party over here.
How does that spotlight feel when you're crouched in the corner to hide? How does your stomach hold it all in when you taste the backwash of your lies? Did it scare you when I turned that rock over, watching and waiting to see if you'd strike with your impotent venom or slither away passively? And how does my salty moxie hit when it gets all up under your skin? How does it feel to choke on the stench of your silence returned by the wind? There's nothing new revealed here, yet you can't see your cover is blown. But you've never seen the spectacle of the view from a Scorpio's throne. This was the poem, or really I think it's a song, and I don't even know if it's complete yet, but this was the piece that ignited some surprising reactions from some people who know me. I would say that I'm known for being a pretty positive, optimistic person, and I'm not one to get super dramatic about things. So I guess some people saw this piece as a big fuck you to somebody out there, but it actually wasn't directed at anyone. It was more of a story that I've been watching play out for decades. I've been noticing with the help of many great friends and mentors and authors which, by the way, a special shout out to Kaja Urbaniak for her brilliant work in her book, Unbound. Highly recommend that book. Um, especially around what she defines in that book as good girl conditioning and how women especially, I mean men too, but women especially have been conditioned to be accommodating compliant, polite, and pretty at all costs, while also being disconnected from our anger and other emotions that might actually be a healthy ally and a bridge to activate us into a space of action, of passion and embodiment in the world, let alone coming to a space of deeper intimacy and engagement with ourselves and others. So this good girl conditioning has been something that I have, have certainly played out in my life for decades. And I'm going to rewind a little bit. Uh, I, I remember as a kid once being told by someone who played a significant role in my life, telling me how ugly I looked when I was angry. And yeah, I mean, I had a temper as a kid. Uh, and of course, that's one of the things we have to learn is how to manage that. We have to learn how to um, control it. But what most of us have learned is just to shove it down. Um, so anyway, because I was also getting a plethora of messages from every angle in life as a kid, as a young girl, that beauty is what made me valuable and worthy. 
I mean, you can imagine how effective that strategy was at holding my anger hostage. And if I'm holding my anger hostage, I'm also holding my fullest human expression hostage. So I learned how to sidestep that shit pretty well as a kid. You know, it's like, uh, nothing to see here, y'all. Just a rabid monster growing inside of me, saving all this ugliness for some poor bastard who happens to be nearby when the dam breaks. <laughs> and fortunately, as a kid, I was also naturally drawn to movement and expression. I played sports. I loved to dance. Always have, always will. Loved to make art, to sing, write poetry, and later fell in love with weightlifting and working out. And those things became outlets for my anger that at the time, I didn't realize were helping me release those repressed feelings, especially anger and rage. So it was a lot happening in my life, y'all. If you haven't heard my first episode, How a Sex Coach Was Conceived, you can go hear more of the story there. Um, but I was expressing all the shit but in a way that felt safer because it was disguised as movement, as sounds and expression, as healthy outlets. And I am 100% certain that if it hadn't been for that, those outlets, I wouldn't be here today. And if I were, I'd be one of the most mentally and physically unhealthy 53-year-olds that you've ever seen. But instead, I'm enjoying the exact opposite, and I couldn't be more grateful. I mean, I wasn't, I, I wasn't smart enough to know that's what I was doing in those years. I was just doing it. My soul was smart enough. But I wasn't conscious of it. But as I began to see the value in it, looking in the rearview mirror later in life, it became something that I began to teach to youth and later to adults. And it's the reason I'm on the path that I'm on now. It's the reason I've been able to leave unhealthy situations, even when it was incredibly painful and scary to do so. It's the reason I've been able to do hard things. It's the reason I can now trust my intuition and why I've been able to say fuck yes to myself, to my desires, my dreams, my passions, my pleasure, my purpose. It's what has kept me from lashing out irresponsibly at others by spewing reckless fucking words prematurely or reacting instead of first managing the emotions within myself, which is something that a lot of people are having a hard time doing these days. If we haven't, you know, if you haven't looked around and noticed, that's a big problem we're facing right now. So, if we're keeping it real, 
that poem was very much like me. And it, it's what's helped me to show up for myself from a place of love, truth, and authenticity. And I can't and won't apologize for that. Not that anybody was asking me to. I think the people who challenged that and were saying, that's not like you, were coming from a different place. I don't think, I don't see them as meaning any harm. And it wasn't them that I was even frustrated with. It was more that that is the conditioning that has affected us all. But yeah, that's not something I would ever apologize for because y'all, it took a long walk through fucking hell and a willingness to risk being hurt, to risk falling down, being vulnerable, being alone, and so much more to gain my own trust in myself and my higher guidance and my intuition and instincts. So I earned that damn throne. And for that, I have nothing but love and appreciation for my anger when it shows up. Because like any other challenging emotion, it always has a gift for me. And you do. And so fast forward to now, in the last month or so, that's the backstory behind that poem. I have been receiving a huge gift from many people and situations in the form of frustrating and hurtful incidents and exchanges. The gift was an opportunity for me to show up for myself in ways that I hadn't always given myself permission to because of my own good girl conditioning. So, by these people showing up in my life at the right time, offering me those opportunities, and by me showing up for myself through having uncomfortable conversations and having to call some things out from a place of love, I was able to invite the proper communication to take place in some of those situations that actually led to resolution and kept certain relationships intact that might not have if I hadn't dealt with that head on. And now some of the relationships didn't survive, (laughs) but the ones that were healthy for me are the ones that remain and the ones that were bringing me harm and draining my energy no longer have access to me or my energy. And that's the whole point. That's what things like anger can open us up to when we treat it with acceptance and love instead of being crippled by it and by the shame of it, of even having it or experiencing it or acknowledging it because then that's when we're trying to kill it off and we become in a space where we're at war with ourselves and our emotions. So 
How do we begin to invite our challenging emotions to sit down at the table with us and be a guest of honor? I learned a practice. Uh, If you have not experienced the work of Peter Levine, he has an incredible book on trauma. He has several. Uh, The book I'm referring to is called Waking the Tiger. And there's a practice called pendulation that he created where you are locating your highest, most loving version of yourself, basically your soul self in your body And you make this your resource for safety, for love, compassion, kindness. And then you are basically taking yourself through a series of some of the worst things you can imagine, the things that you're most afraid of. And you move in and out of the space of being in the fear and the grief, all of that. And then going back to your resource. So you're moving back and forth between those things that make you just feel like literally like crazy with anger, guilt, grief, fear, whatever it is. And whatever those most challenging emotions are for you that come up. You're feeling the stuff and then you're running back to your resource for soothing, for comfort and safety, knowing over time that you're going to be okay, that you just have to give yourself some time to let your nervous system catch up to what your logical mind seems to know, but has been rather unconvincing of. You are retraining your nervous system not to react with so much intensity as many of us do when these challenging emotions come up because of all of our conditioning and stories around them. So you can find this practice, actually, I've kind of put a spin on it between um, what his practice is and then some things I learned through Layla Martin's training. Um, I have a collection. I have one for men and one for women on my website. The collection for men is called the BMF collection, which stands for bad motherfuckers. And then the uh, collection for women is called Juicy Thriving Woman. Each of them have three practices and they both contain the practice that I'm speaking of called Center into Loving Presence. You can find those on my website at karendavisking.com under online courses. So that can be easily downloaded for your in-home use at your convenience. And it's basically a guided practice. So I take you through it. You don't have to remember it all, all that good stuff. And the cool thing is that this is not just 
one, there's not just one magical practice out there, you know, that has to work for everyone. There are so many practices that I've learned over the last several years that have really been helpful to me to use the power of safety and pleasure as medicine for healing and for self-love and retraining the nervous system once again and the brain for better experiences, including better sexual experiences and a deeper state of presence, of connection and surrender, which are some of the sexiest fucking things ever when it comes to sex and relationships. Not to mention game changers for our capacity for pleasure and orgasm. But don't, I mean, orgasm isn't even the point, our goal here. It's about intimacy, period. It's about being able to show up fully in a sexual space with yourself first so that you can show up fully with a partner. And these are not things we were taught in sex education, in church, in the movies or porn or life in general. But the good news is that it's here for us now. And now you know where to find it. And if you're still unclear about how being present with our challenging emotions can impact our sex lives and sexuality, we don't have to look very far beyond this point. The more that we own everything about being a spirit in a human body, the human experience, the more we get to embrace and enjoy everything about it. Think about it. If you can't connect with your own feelings, how the hell are you going to connect with a partner and be able to sit with their challenging emotions when they arise? Whether that's in the bedroom, the boardroom, the classroom, you know, what the living room, any room, right? How will you be able to hold space for someone else if you're terrified of being in your own body? and feeling the things that are stored and alive there, begging for your attention. How would seeing your partner or even yourself as a fully expressed human even be possible without the gift of all of our emotions? This is easy for us to forget. Our emotions are fleeting and they don't stay with us. They come and go. So when we're able to recognize this and dance with those emotions, really be with them, we can begin to understand that we are not the emotion. We are the experiencer and the observer, and our emotions cannot harm us or kill us. We may not like how they feel, but again, they ain't sticking around for the long haul. They're kind of like government money. <laughs> They're just not going to stick around for long. So 
when we can begin to play with our fear, our anger, our grief, all those things, in the same way that we do our joy, our excitement, our bliss, whatever it may be, we become more at home in our own skin. We show up for ourselves because we can access all of us and we get to taste all the flavors of the human experience. And how boring would it be if freaking everything was sweet or savory or tasted like ass? It doesn't matter how much you love the taste of ass. Like only one or two flavors in life would be an insult to our intricate palate and the unique experience that is gifted to us through the sense of taste. Think about it. If you only allowed one or two flavors in, what a fucking waste that would be. <laughs> <laughs> 